0: Welcome to "I Want to Put a Baby in You," a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White
1: and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jennifer White, and I am here with Ellen Trackman, my sister extraordinaire. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you. Welcome to Hi. you as well. Oh, why? Why? Thank you. I'm so glad <laughs> to be here today. <laughs> oh, so oh, uh, Ellen, today we we're talking about employment. Yes. So do you have any good change of employment stories? Why have you changed employment at times? Mm. Time?
0: I mean, the one that was most and maybe most memorable to me, at least at this time, is quitting corporate law to
1: go mm. into the
0: field of assisted reproductive technology. Because I feel like it was just such a big jump from going from like, a nice stable salary to quitting yeah. to start my own firm <laughs> where I had to like, you know, every penny <laughs> earned by, by tears, me. blood and sweat. Um, and that was just such a big, big jump, but I am so grateful. I did it. and so grateful to have the support of my family and loved ones to, to help me do it. How about you? Oh. Do you have big, memorable
1: job switching stories? I mean, I think the problem for me is of course, because, you know, Ryan's in the military. And we've moved every few years. We have moved, I changed jobs a lot. Wow. I mean, not yeah. by choice, but there, it's given me a really great breadth of experience, which is fun for a lot of things. You know, like I've worked in insurance collections. I've done, you know, worked in a bunch of different legal offices that gave me a really wide breadth of experience there. So, you know, it it was good. I, I will say the most memorable job change for me was one summer the law firm I worked for, I left because we moved. And I, my office got taken over by this legal intern for the summer or associate for the summer. And I came back and I had this incredible gift in my office for my birthday because I came back at the end of the summer. Um, that legal associate was my sister. Aww. So you had my office for that whole summer, I but we never got, got to work you- together in the same. I glad firm. you like the picture. Oh, I still yeah. hang it in my house. So, <laughs> so I memorable. I was if
0: one of your best jobs was when I was like, "Please help me with my law firm," and you started helping me with that. Which, I mean, you know, that's also that's
1: memorable. And it's had, best
0: co-workers ever. It's mm-hmm.
1: true. You still are my best co-worker. Uh, so. Aww. So, but we're not here to, to talk about right. each other and yes. how great it is to work with each other. Um, right. More than that, we are Focus. actually here to talk about changing benefits or if you change mm-hmm. your job for those benefits and what that could look like. So we're very excited to hear this.
0: Welcome, Aiden, to the podcast. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Oh, I love to give like long introductions and then finally like 10 minutes in, our listeners are like, let the person talk. But um, I'll let you mostly give your introduction, but I will say you are a fellow podcaster. So we'll talk more mm-hmm. about your podcast and that you are on your journey of parenthood. And we'll talk about that as well. But in terms of introduction, how what's the kind of background you'd like to, to give people at first?
2: Sure. Um, so my name is Aiden. I am uh well, I was gonna say I'm 31 years old, but I'm almost 32. So maybe I'm 32. Happy birthday. <laughs> yes. My kids I'm round 30. Up, so. I'm I'm, I'm somewhere in between 31 and 32 years old. And uh, I currently live in Austin, Texas. I am originally from uh from Santa Barbara, California.
1: Oh, and
2: I am about to start attempting to get pregnant, fingers crossed for me, um, outside of a couple. So I think the traditional term is single mother by choice. Um, I don't love that term, so I'm trying to recoin it independent parent. So I'm, be- I'm becoming an independent parent, um, which is I how like I that. got put in touch with, with you guys. and mm-hmm. very excited to be going down the journey.
0: I was thinking about that language. I, we had briefly touched about how language is so important and these different terms used. And I was thinking like, really, do we even need independence? Like really, you're, you're just a parent, right. right? Like, why do we have to, I know to change the it, it altar in any way?
1: Yeah. I I'm definitely dealt with that with too. You. Yeah. Like when Ryan is, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm married, I'm coupled, but Ryan's in the military and he's deployed. Like, how do you, describe that right because i'm temporarily at that point a single parent but i'm not a single person and so like i had to settle on solo parenting at that point but that still Mm -hmm. felt really inadequate and not right
2: exactly so in in that sense you're basically doing the same thing that i'm about to do um but i bet you nobody when you decided to have a child nobody was like but you really have to think about this because, you know, if you do this on your own, like so hard, people would have just been like, yeah, going to be sad that your husband's not there for a long yeah. time. Yeah.
1: Did, do did people sit down, people who are like any other couple to be like, hey, do you think about in the future? Like maybe if you get divorced, how hard it'll be too? Like that's that's such an unfair conversation <laughs> to have with somebody.
2: Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I I agree with you, Ellen. It is weird that we need any qual like any qualifier in front of the word parent yeah. at all. But that's just kind of the reality. We're we're our society is so much better now than it was, right? Um, but we're, we still got a ways to go with certain things. We we still like to label people, and that's right. You know. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you were saying, did you, people were asking you, like, are you thinking about this? Are you thinking it through? And I will say, it sounds like you have put a lot of thought into how you go about becoming a parent. Do you want to share kind of that research and deep thoughts that you've been having along going along this process?
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean so I I'm definitely just a researcher by nature. My my dad is a lawyer, so he just trained us like oh, growing Lord. up I had to basically give like a PowerPoint presentation if I wanted to go have a sleepover <laughs> at a friend's house. I was <laughs> like, look. I understand what the cons are, like, I get it, but let me tell you how I've thought through this and the, I will allay your fears. So <laughs> I just, my my natural reaction to something is to like research the heck out of it. Um, but I, yeah, so a little over a year ago now, I just realized, I've, I'm lucky in that I have a lot, a huge family. So I've been... Are like around babies in different okay. stages for most of my life. And then my older brother and his wife, um, well, they are pregnant now. They're due in about three weeks, which is very exciting.
0: Well, congrats um, to
2: them. Yeah, and they were sort of starting to try. And, you know, I've always known that I wanted to be a parent, but until very recently, whenever I would hang out with babies, I'd be like, that was so fun. Super glad I don't have one. <laughs> um, and that just completely changed. You know, I think there's like the, there's like a stereotypical, like a woman turns 30 and all of a sudden she starts hearing the clock and it, it wasn't like that for me. I wasn't like, oh no, I'm 30 now and I need to have a baby or bust. It was more like I'm 30 and I'm realizing that I actually want a baby now, um, so, yeah, I for me, that then meant I had to research everything and anything to do with that. Yeah. So I've spent right. sort of the last year figuring out like, okay, so I'm going to become a parent. I'm not in a couple right now, so that means that I need to figure out how to be inseminated, <laughs> like the different ways to do that, the different like types of donors you can have, all of that stuff. That led me to like, all right, well- uh, how much is all of this going to cost? Cause I also have to start thinking about the costs of raising a child and like, what help am I going to have to pay for versus like get from my support network? Um, all of those sorts of things. So then that led me into like investigating the, um, it, health insurance that I had through my employer and, oh, pardon me, I had a choking on air for no reason. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so investigating that and figuring out how sort of atrocious our insurance is yeah. um, with, with with fertility in, in general and, and motherhood in general. And that actually ultimately led me to switching jobs, changing companies to uh, find a company that would provide better benefits for me so that... Um, it was an easier, less expensive process to become pregnant. So yeah, and that's I think right. I've, and I
1: think that's an amazing thing yeah, to to kind right. of go back and and talk about because I think a lot of people don't think about doing that. Do you, do you mind expanding on on your process there and, and how that worked for you? Because you know, I don't I don't want to gloss over just like oh, I just changed my job. It's fine. You know, like because it's not something people necessarily always think about to do.
0: And companies need to think about too, like, you know, this yes. is an important benefit that people move retain away from good your people
1: company because yeah. you
0: don't have this benefit.
2: Yeah, 100%. It, it's, I mean, again, it's health insurance, I think, unfortunately, is something that a lot of us don't think much about until we need it. Um, mm-hmm. And then it can sometimes be too late. So right. I, um, uh, yeah, I, I was pretty shocked really when I, investigated what this was. So for first, it was just hard to figure out what benefits I had. So I, I reached out to my HR business partner to ask what was included with our company's policy. She had no idea um, and you know, went back and forth for a while before basically she was like, I think you just have to call Blue Cross, which is the <laughs> provider that they were using. And then um, did Blue Cross, Blue Cross say you showed. have to call your HR? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And then, so yeah, they, I called Blue Cross and they were like, oh, you have to get this number from your employer or something to call back. Anyway, it was back and forth a few times. Then I finally got to like the right department within Blue Cross and they explained the benefit to me, which just is still, I, I, I'm still like, I, I can feel the anger like bubbling can, up in my can veins. you share
0: what that was? Wow. Yeah.
2: So it was so... <laughs> You guys probably know this, um, and if your listeners already know this, I'm sorry for the repeat, but the sort of normal thing, quote unquote normal coverage under most insurance policies in the U.S. is that fertility itself is not covered. Infertility is covered, and infertility is an insurance code, so in order to be diagnosed as infertile and get access to any benefits at all, you have to have been trying to conceive with an opposite sex partner for at least a year. Um, So right away, that is incredibly non-inclusive, right? Like that already makes you cringe. My company was actually significantly worse than that. So the company that I was working for, their benefit was in order to be diagnosed as infertile, to qualify for any kind of benefit coverage at all, you had to have been... Trying to conceive in an opposite sex married relationship Whoa, for over for five, for five years,
0: Whoa. And, Whoa. and
2: then you could only use fertility treatments using your husband's sperm. So if the problem Whoa. was with your husband's sperm, you shit out of luck. Oh, sorry, I don't know if Whoa. I can swear. Sorry, you can say that it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. Beep. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Family friendly show. Didn't mean to. <laughs> All right. That's um, so yeah. So done. obviously that was atrocious. Um, so the first thing I did because I- I'm annoying is I <laughs> tried to I tried to rally uh, to change the benefit at the company itself. So I put together a ton of stats. Um,
1: I like a PowerPoint uh, presentation, like your dad had taught you well. <laughs> <laughs> there was a PowerPoint deck included. I'm I love a giant that. nerd. Nice. <laughs> um, I <love> it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so I, I put together a bunch of information and statistics about um, just in general why having fertility benefits is um, has ROI for a company, um, and that showing the retention benefits of offering something like fertility benefits etc um, then I reached out to a bunch of women at the company who that I knew were in alternative really or what we would what they would potentially consider yeah. alternative relationships not alternative relationships did
1: not it did not fit the definition that the insurance had provided you exactly right. but yeah. I knew that they had kids
2: so I reached okay. out to them to get their sort of anecdotal stories about doing that with the mm-hmm. with the limited resources that the company provides and those mm-hmm. stories were pretty compelling and horrific yeah. as well um and did you so get i included
0: help? because there's beg a couple, pardon Did you get help on your presentation and kind of this pitch cuz like, we've definitely talked to some nonprofits like resolve and fertility within reach that help support those, you know, employees with pitching their companies on why fertility benefits are important. Did you get any of that backing to do this?
2: No, I didn't oh, even know that amazing. that was something you I could did get
0: on your own. Wow, that is impressive. That you did it without any kind of backing or help That's great. Wow.
2: I mean, if I had known that that was available, I would have definitely taken advantage of it. Um, and for anyone yeah, listening,
0: you're thinking about it. I know, I think both of those companies like Resolve, they have kind of these like, handbooks of like how, yeah. and like support of like what what to talk to your company and how to do it and I, like suggestions. I think if you want
1: to Google it, they call it the employer toolkit even so that you can use the right, okay. you know, the, the Google search terms there.
2: So I didn't do that. I did do, so um I found this company called Carrot Fertility, which does for basically the fertility benefits that I was looking for. Um, And I found them because I was trying to find solutions to include in this deck for how they could offer this. Um, And I did find some really helpful information on Carrot's website that I included, some stats that I hadn't found, um, things like that, as well as just outlying like look, there are technically other fertility benefit companies out there. Care is the only one I could find that has a female founder, so go for them. But um, they – it was like th- this is what we could – the coverage we could be providing to people. Um, so I did did use that. Um, so, yeah, presented that to, uh, to the HR team and tried to time it as well. I did it towards the end of the summer because – Generally, companies are only allowed to make changes to their benefits policies once a year, um, in the fall, and then those take effect the the first of January. Um, right. So it's I smart timing. Yeah. With that. Yeah, well so thought that they-
0: through. Nice.
2: Um. And anyway, long story short, I was shot down mm-hmm. and told, like, well, maybe next year we'll consider it. We're pretty oh, locked in for what we're going to do. This year, so super frustrating. So that for me, I was like, "Look, I'm not going to get the coverage that I need right from this company. That's just how it's going to be. So, what am I going to do? Am I going to eat the costs of this, or am I going to find a different situation for myself?" So ultimately, I basically stalked Carrots' website and found as many of their listed clients as I could find researched them, okay. found the companies that I felt a connection to that I felt like I would like to work there, and then applied to those positions. So I started with one of their uh, clients, started working for one of their clients three weeks ago now, um, oh, and I got yes. access to my my fertility <laughs> benefits on day one, which Whoa. was excellent. And I already had my first appointment at, uh, at the local fertility clinic this wow. week. So and that's
1: amazing.
0: That- And by contrast, what do your benefits look like now with a company that has Carrot, for example?
2: Yeah, so the benefits are are much better. I I mean, I still think that there is some room for improvement, so they're not using the full options of Carrot benefits, but they're using a bunch. So I can apply – basically, I get um, $10,000 per, like, intended child, worth of benefits. So that's, that still can like run out pretty quickly, but I could apply those towards anything. So they, I could apply that towards, um, surrogacy. I could apply that towards egg donation. I could, um, do IVF. I can do IUI any of those things. Um, they also included in that, which I think is maybe one of the most important things is you get unlimited. Access to a fertility nurse through Carrot um, as your sort of advisor on the journey. So they can talk through all kinds of different options for you. They can give you all sorts of different resources, give you an idea of where to start, because I think that's hard
1: for people to figure out. Yeah.
2: Um, And so that's fantastic. Um, They will connect you with. Adoption agencies, they will show you like vetted sperm banks, um, all kinds of stuff. So there's that. Then the company, even aside from the, the fertility benefits, this new company offers me 20 weeks of fully paid maternity leave, nice.
0: um,
1: wow.
2: which great. is very good for the U.S. And yeah. um, they do that for uh, fathers as well, and it doesn't matter- how you manifest your child, whether that's, <laughs> you know, in your yeah. own body or somebody kind of else's parents, body yeah. or adoption or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, those all apply. And then once uh, maternity leave is over, they actually do cover the costs. Um, yeah. They cover some of the costs of childcare and things like that. as wow. well.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I have not heard of that benefit. That's huge. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's pretty fantastic. So there's there's a reason. If you look at the the company that I currently work for, the the average employee lifespan is like seven years, which for a tech company is insane.
1: Wow, that's yeah. great. that's amazing. It sounds like you actually just found a better
2: better overall situation, anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So lesson to all those with bad employers, find a better one. (laughs) All those bad (laughs) employees, employers out there, you can do better. You can get better benefits and keep your employees for longer. And that probably. Uh, Yeah. And you know what? Your
2: employer is never going to be motivated to change if they don't know that they have a problem. Right. So um, better to voice your concerns and or just get out. Yeah. Makes sense.
0: Um. So I would love to hear a little bit more about your research and your decision making. I know you're still early on, with all your thoughtfulness. Yeah. Have you decided where you're going to go in terms of accessing the other half of the the gametes needed, the sperm needed <laughs> to conceive?
2: Um, yeah, I think I have. I think I have made a decision. So um, I think I'm going to go with Seattle Sperm Bank. They're a bit smaller than some of the other ones out there, but they really provided – they provide sort of more of the criteria of what I was looking for. So um, I – they only do ID notify donors, which is very important to me.
0: That was my next question because we're seeing so much from donor-conceived persons who are really speaking out about wanting access to information and knowledge. And so I was curious kind of what you thought on that front and chosen there.
2: Yeah, that was incredibly important to me from the beginning. So so really the very first thing that I researched when I decided I wanted to do this was um stories from donor conceived people nice. because I wanted to I wanted to know how they felt about being donor conceived and what where things went well, where things went poorly and it's pretty much the unanimous consensus and this makes complete sense to me that people want to understand where they come from right it's not necessarily that they're in longing for a father it's that you know it is important to under from just a human aspect to understand where you came from also just from a medical history background that can be really important um, for people as well So that was always important to me. I was never going to be okay picking a donor that was not ID notify. Um, So Seattle Sperm Bank only does ID notify. They do an incredibly thorough background check on anyone who is um, donating sperm because one of the biggest fears for me was I'm fine with the idea of like uh, other donor siblings out there, but I... Didn't want the scenario of, you know a guy because it's still not a very regulated industry um of a guy going in, you know donating to his max capacity with one sperm bank and then just turning around and doing the same thing at another one um, and having potentially hundreds of of half siblings out how
0: there. do you how do you check or prevent that? I guess is my question because I didn't think you could.
2: So that's part of the problem, right? is like most sperm banks, because of the an- an- anonymity, yeah. they don't offer you any way to do that. I'm not entirely sure how Seattle Sperm Bank is mm-hmm. doing this, but firstly, it's like very clearly written into their contracts. Yeah. Um, they I mean, they do DNA testing on all of their um, uh, their sperm donors as well. So I, I'm assuming it has something to do with that, that they're like using GEDmatch or something to track down if you're donating other places. Um, but it Honestly, was basically... I don't the, they
0: are, but um, that's interesting if they were. Yeah,
2: I mean, I don't know if they are, but the, it basically was the, the only one that I found that was clearly trying to do something to mm. ensure that somebody wasn't just turning around and donating in, in multiple places. Um, and yeah, their screening selection was a lot higher. Um, because of that I think their sperm is maybe a little bit more pricey. Mm. But I was I'm okay with that. In um,
0: your, your benefits they can go that can go towards that cost. Is that right? A hundred
2: percent. Yeah. Awesome. Can can cover that. So that was how I sort of landed with Seattle Sperm Bank in terms of I haven't picked a donor yet because I'm still waiting for the results of my genetic carrier screening. Yeah. So I want to get that back before I pick a donor. Um, but I don't really feel that precious about it, to be honest. I'm like, I have a couple like things where another um, another thing that's pretty common that I found amongst uh, stories from donor conceived people was yeah. that it was important that they felt that they looked as if they fit in their family. Um, so, uh, you know, I've got black hair and brown eyes, and I'm so I'm not going to pick, like, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed person. Um, so I'm going to pick somebody that kind of has similar characteristics to me, and then the only other thing I really care about is I'm five feet tall, and I feel like I need to give my kids a chance. So <laughs> pick, pick somebody that's at least like five eight.
0: <laughs> I don't know. You want them to fit in though with your family, right?
2: <laughs> well, I'm the only shorty. my My older brother is six feet tall. He stole all the height from me. It was very rude.
0: That is not um, fair. So... Not fair. He should give that back. That's...
2: exactly yeah. My my mother is like five nine. So like I don't know where the hell I came from, but <laughs> I'm the
1: one random yes. midget. i I was about to say you also have to be careful about that dark hair dark like uh, we have dark hair and we have a blondie i was like i don't even know where Ah! that came from like so (laughs) that's so funny
2: that's so funny yeah i mean you you can only control so much right (laughs) recessive genes are recessive genes that's exactly right they're going to express how they're going to come out (laughs) exactly but you know i
0: can at least try So I'm going to, I'm sorry to like go back to this point one time. I'm just going to ask one more time and you probably don't know the answer, but do you have any idea how the sperm bank confirms that the donor is not donating with other sperm banks? I just, I don't know that that's possible, but I wonder if you know if they're like making them sign off that they agree they're not it's just on their word or I'm just so It's written
2: into the contract. I know that for sure Um, To be perfectly frank, I haven't, I didn't ask them what they're, like what other measures they're doing. I don't know if they have a relationship with the other sperm banks or like how they're doing it, but they were, none of the other sperm banks I could find seem to be even attempting to do that. Um, So you know, again, it's not a very regulated industry. I've accepted that, oh like, there is always <laughs> yes. going to be a possibility yeah. that that's the case. That's fair. And again, like, I'm kind of excited for the fact that my my kids might have other half siblings. I'm not opposed to that. I have a massive family, and like, some of the like closest people in my to me and my family are like third cousins and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So. I'm not opposed to that. I just think it is genetically risky when there are, you know, like hundreds of <laughs> potential siblings out there. Like and, who do you know who you're going to be in, a in small, college, you know? Yeah, and
1: especially right. in a small geographic area.
0: And can your sure. child or can you or the child, your child know the siblings like before 18 or do you have to wait? How does that work?
2: Yeah, so that's another benefit to Seattle Sperm Bank as well is that they – have an immediate donor sibling registry, so if you want to know, um, you can immediately sign up for that as soon as you have a confirmed pregnancy, and then anybody else who's used your donor who also wants to do that would immediately get put in touch with you. Um, so I think that I if I if the donor that I pick does already have other children or ha- then has other children. Um, conceived later on I would prefer to kind of know them from the beginning because I'd like to them I'd like them to know each other growing up I I haven't decided sort of how I define that relationship for them they're obviously not good they're not going to be oh I don't even know how to phrase that I was about to say they're not going to be siblings siblings but you know I, I think I just treat it more as like a cousin relationship with the understanding of like yeah you guys share a donor
0: Yeah, makes sense. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. No, I'm glad that, I mean, I'm so on this right now because there was a long discussion I was in yesterday where it was just like this difficulty where such a need from donor conceived people to have this knowledge and yet the industry doesn't really support it. And, you know, because it's such a difficulty to, to create that, especially this idea that a donor can just... You know, say they're one thing, and it's not maybe not true, and they're going from bank to bank. And how do they even yeah. check that, or how do you restrict how many children from one donor, especially because we can't force people like that. They're my understanding is that people are who conceive are requested to report it, so they're somewhat tracking it, but there can't be any requirement of this of you reporting. Maybe maybe contractually, I guess they can require you to report.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, yeah,
2: I think you. Th- there's no legal requirement, but I guess you, a sperm bank could make it a, a requirement of using their service. But yeah, I know, like in the UK as an example, I think there actually is a legal require a legal um, yeah. law a legal law. Gosh, yeah, what a horrible phrase. There's result. There is a law <laughs> that has been enacted a that one. a legal one <laughs> that that uh, that you cannot get sibling really. Uh, sibling information until you're 18 if you use like one of the the banks that are run by the nhs i think if you use private banks it might be different um so yeah i think the biggest thing is people kids just want honesty you know like they need to understand where they come from they need it to not be some big dark scary secret and they want to have as much information about who the story of who they are as possible. Kids are really smart. They pick up on when we don't tell them the truth and that you know, they hold on to that. So I I think for me that is just I, I, I that was definitely true for me when I was a kid. So I can imagine it would be the same for my future kids. And I just want to be able to give them as much information as they want. You know, if they don't want it, if they're not interested, that's fine. But I want to have it there for them.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's really healthy. Um, When you were doing all this research, was there anything that you kind of thought initially, oh, I'll go in this direction, and then your research kind of changed your mind or made you think a different way?
2: Yeah, very much so. So at first, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I was pretty ignorant about the different um, paths to conception that someone could take. Um, Obviously, I knew about IVF from like movies and things, but (laughs) I and I had heard obviously knew about surrogacy, knew about adoption, but I didn't know that there was another way to use donor sperm besides IVF. So immediately, I just thought, like, okay, I've decided to do this. So there goes like twenty thousand dollars, <laughs> at least, um, down down the drain, or not down the drain, down t- towards a trial, but still. Right, yeah, right. Um, uh, so that was kind of, that was the only path that I thought existed. Then through research, I discovered IUI and ICI um, and the differences in that. So that definitely was like, oh, okay. Let me think about the pros and cons of all of these different methods. Wait, wait um, I, know, I know IUI.
0: What's ICI? I was going to say, like? what is ICI?
2: ICI is intracervical insemination. Oh, so you I can actually – that's what would do like if you're doing it at home, um, it. which a lot of people can do. You can have a sperm bank shipped directly to your house. And if you don't have any problems with – any diagnosed problems with fertility, you should be able to just um, to just inseminate at home. So yeah, intracervical, uh, which obviously would be Got the it. least expensive um, option, and it doesn't really ha- – for people who don't have fertility, diagnosed fertility issues, there's no real difference in effectiveness between IUI and
0: ICI. Interesting. Um, and I have to, as a lawyer, point this out, that the state law <sighs> may make a big difference between IUI and ICI, right? Sure, sure, because sure, sure. <laughs> some states require – that for a donor not to be recognized as a parent and for the recipient, you know, to be fully recognized and not, you know, not be yeah, unintended parental obligations, um, that the, the conception take place under the supervision of a licensed physician. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Texas is requirement. Do you, did you look? I mean, that?
2: let's just err on the fact on the side of Texas <laughs> being the worst possible version oh, of that. Ouch. But uh, <laughs> Poor um sister. But no, I love Texas, but we're a little weird with some things. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, and and to be fair too, I do know that not all states will actually allow you to ship sperm to a not for to a non clinical address. So not it, it wouldn't be an option for everybody, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, it so was. Are, something are you planning that's out on there. having
0: sperm shipped to a clinic, or is that where where your thinking is at this point?
2: Yeah, so where I, I still haven't fully decided how I'm going to get pregnant yet, I, um, I can kind of walk you through my thought process. If yeah, yeah. I think I think some
0: people will be interested in hearing. You know, there's a big difference between a sterile clinic versus like candles and music at home, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure.
2: Yeah, and like for for your listeners to understand, I'm I do like candles and a good bath bomb, but I'm kind of like the least. Woo woo person on the planet. <laughs> I don't. I don't follow my star sign. I don't look up my. You know any of that. I, I get how all of that is fun. So I'm not like. Oh, I want to have as little medical intervention as possible. Um, but it is a a huge price difference, obviously. Um, so I did. Uh, I did think a lot about that. About should I just do this at home? I'm still pretty young. From the few tests I've taken already, there I should have absolutely no problem conceiving. I decided against that just because I'm very comfortable with doctors. So i I think I will feel. I think I would feel more nervous trying to do it at home than having a doctor do it. Um, so I would go I'll, I will go either IUI or IVF. I still haven't ruled out IVF um, for, for a couple reasons. One being that um, it is a higher percentage chance of, of pregnancy on the first go. Um, so, and you know, sperm isn't cheap, so no. uh, my, my benefit will only take me so far. Um, But then really the main reason is that I know that I want to have multiple pregnancies and I want my children to be full siblings. So immediately that means that regardless I would need to purchase enough sperm for at least two potential pregnancies and um, that's not cheap. And then you know, I'm 30, somewhere between 31 and 32 now, but I'm, I, I'm going to be older at the next pregnancy, right? I'm going to right. al- almost likely wait at least three years between pregnancies. So e- each time I'm getting older and I don't know, like I, I have no issues now. I should have no issues now conceiving, but I don't know how my body will change in, you know, three to four years. So freezing... Embryos gives me the kind of a safer chance at making sure I have the size of family that I am intending to have. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, but then again, it is significantly more expensive. I shouldn't have a problem conceiving with IUI. So. Yeah, I, I keep going back and forth. Yeah. I haven't decided yet
0: which yeah. one I want to I use. I mean, it does sound like you've done a lot of research to really understand kind of those statistics and how things play out. That's really, really thoughtful of you. I feel like when I work in these legal agreements, we're like, but what about after this? And then it's really hard to look past, like, we just want a baby right now. And maybe, <laughs> we, maybe we have the idea that we want another one in the future, but, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge then. But I'm really impressed that you've really, like, thought through
1: long term.
2: Yeah, again, just trained by my dad to be like, all right, what are all the possible ways that this could go wrong and how do I come up with a solution
1: for all of those? Yeah.
2: Uh, a true attorney's child, yes. <laughs> exactly. It is – I I will say it was annoying as a child, but it has served me well.
0: Nice. Um. Anything else that surprised you in your research or you feel like anyone else in your situation you'd be like, you should know this. Hmm. Yeah, I think um,
2: just learning in general about women's fertility, like we, at least in the United States, we don't get taught enough about our own bodies and about conception. (laughs) The the message is basically like, hey, you release an egg and if you have sex, that egg will get fertilized and... Then you have a baby. And so, and then we get told maybe like, oh, and then after 35, doom. But
1: right. <laughs> um, there's,
2: it is so much more complicated than that. And I just think the more information that you have about fertility in general and then your own body, the more empowered you're going to be. Because I think there, if you know that you want to be a parent, then you, the as soon as you know you want to be a parent, at some point you should start thinking of like looking into things and thinking about it because you don't want to get to be be a certain age and then be like, okay, I'm ready to be a parent now, and then find out that you uh, that that's going to be a much harder journey than it could have been if you had investigated a little bit earlier, if you had frozen eggs or yeah. done this or that. You know, I, I have a girlfriend who is 28 and decided, you know what, I should like take some tests and just sort of see where I'm at. Maybe I'll freeze my eggs. And thank yeah. goodness, because she found out that for whatever reason, she actually has an incredibly low egg count oh, wow. for her age. So she's like, oh, need to go extract those babies right now and yeah. freeze them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you you just never know what the situation with your own body is just because, you know, my, my mother conceived or ha- had me when she was 40 pretty easily. But just because she was able to do that doesn't mean I would be able to. Um, so I-, I think knowledge is power. And, w- you know, women should be in, in, in power of their own bodies as much as possible.
0: No, wise, wise words. I feel like even though we, like, live and breathe this world – I'm constantly learning new information. And I was at a fertility presentation the other night with this doctor and he was showing these statistics. He said, you know, on average, women have 400 ovulations. And I had never heard that 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 number before. Oh, I was like, oh, eight. how many do I have left? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating. That's like, yeah. I don't know why that actually seems like, wow, that's not a lot. Yeah, how? no, and he had this bar graph that showed how many eggs you have. And I forget now the number, but it was like some point in the fetal development, like before you're born. And then it mm-hmm. showed like a massive drop, the number of eggs you have when you're born, and then another massive drop, but it's like this tiny sliver, the number of eggs when you start ovulating.
2: Yeah, nice. oh, well, so actually, this was a crazy thing I learned. Again, if I had had a better health class, maybe I would have already known this, but I I didn't realize that each period, each cycle, your body actually develops like 10 eggs, like at le- like at least 10 eggs. Each ovary develops multiple eggs and then only one of those generally gets released during a cycle, but then the rest that your body sort of Prepped just in case all will dissolve at, when your cycle's over anyway. So you, each cycle, you're not just losing one egg; you're losing like a bunch of them.
0: Right, and that's why when someone donates eggs, they like put on stimulation drugs to make all these different follicles like fully mature the eggs, and then they retrieve, you know, fifteen to twenty that from that cycle versus the one your body would normally release.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's so cool. I got to, I went into the fertility clinic for the first time this week and they did an ultrasound of my uterus and it was so cool. And they like pointed it around <laughs> can, so I got to see. Can you share pictures?
0: We'll post a picture of the <laughs>
1: uterus.
2: Yeah, for sure. They're so cool. I mean, you know, it's pretty private, it's the inside of my body, but um, no, they were so cool. I got to see my ovaries and see all the different follicles in there so they could count them all up. It was Awesome! I was, I would have made him like stay in there for like two more hours and ask questions I, if he had
0: the it. time. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, do you want to share a little bit about your podcast so people can hear more about your story and follow along with you? Yeah. So um,
2: I I have started my own podcast. It's called the Plan A Podcast because I am becoming. A single parent or an independent parent, if you will, as uh, as my first choice and not my last. Um, just a parent. I'm going with you're
0: becoming a just parent. Just a parent. I would <laughs> say
2: I like just a parent. Yes, yeah. I'm becoming a parent as a, as a first choice. So yeah, I'm I'm very... Still feeling a little nervous about it. I'm not a professional podcaster, so it's been an adjustment process. But I, I was really bummed when I started doing this research at the lack of um, the lack of stories out there from from women like me. There were a few things I could find from women uh, outside of a couple who had chosen to become a parent quite late. Um, in their their 40s and this was sort of their last resort and the the tone was always a bit like they were still sort of grieving the fact that they couldn't do this in a traditional couple and that's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with feeling that way. If you want to become a parent, you should become a parent at any time, however you can. Um, It's just, it was so different to how I felt about this decision and i wanted there to be a narrative out there from someone who is choosing to become a parent outside of a couple um enthusiastically you know yeah. um and, and really highlighting the the benefits of doing it outside of a couple because i think there are a lot of them and uh and it doesn't have to be some sad last resort it can be a really empowered decision for you and your and your family so yeah, like I said, I, I I'm not. It's not natural for me. I'm not a. Uh, I'm generally a relatively private person, so it's definitely been a bit of an adjustment process. But it's been fun. So the first two episodes are out now, and it's going to be following all of my experiences throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout yeah. the fertility journey, as well as interviewing some of the experts that I've come across to answer like more empirical questions about, like as an example, IUI versus ICI, um, different ways of of uh, insemination. I've got someone from Carrot Fertility coming on to talk about fertility benefits, um, all all sorts of different things.
0: That's fantastic. Well, we will definitely link to it so those. Um, so listeners can can listen to you and follow your journey as well. And we're 100% rooting for you and excited for your future.
2: Thank you. I'm so so glad that I got to be a part of this. I've uh, been listening to a lot of your, your back catalog in preparation for this and I'm finding out all sorts of interesting uh information about surrogacy that I never knew I've, I've actually been texting my dad a lot because some of the legal ease of it
0: is fascinating to me <laughs> so <laughs> so listeners if this is your first episode take note lots of fun episodes to listen to right <laughs>
2: yes lots of, go to the back catalog there's a bunch of stuff there um, but yeah and then if your listeners want to follow me or find me the website is independentparenthood.com. it's plan a podcast. I'm working on making it easier to search because right now it's kind of hard to find, but technically it is on Spotify. It is on iTunes. It is on, it should be wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, ladies.
0: Thank you, Aiden, for sharing. It's so important for people to really, um, you know, know their benefits and to know how important they can be to their life and to look for better if they can.
1: I would say and equally it's important for employers to know that the benefits really do make a difference and people really are looking and, and making that comparison. For sure. So I hopefully all, all our team out there. We love you. Stay with us, even if we don't. You know, like I, I, can't. I don't know if our benefits are good enough. I guess we better go back and reanalyze, right? So, um, but a thank you to our team because they really are incredible. To Tyler, to Melissa, to Amanda, we we love all of you. Please keep making us sound incredible. Um, and of course to all of you who show up every week. Thank you. Um, go go buy merchandise in our awesome podcast store. Come on. Everybody needs a mug with sperm on it. I swear it is true. On um, it. Not in it. Not in it. On, on it, it. On it. On it. Yes. So, but even if you don't, uh, we really do appreciate that you are here. Come see us on Facebook and we will talk to you again next week.